Tech Talk. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. With One Sonic. High definition audio noise cancelling headphones designed in Ireland. Visit onesonic.com. This is News Talk. Welcome to Tech Talk, Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, Virgin Media is upgrading its network to fibre for every customer. We'll find out what that means for you. I'll chat to the CEO of Dropchef, a meal delivery service that can up your dinner game and cut down on food waste. Plus, we'll chat to Smart Tech 247 about their cybersecurity event, which is taking place next year. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. And we're going to start this week with that news from Virgin Media. There has been a huge focus on connectivity in Ireland over the last 20 months or so. We have never needed a solid connection more. So it is great to see this type of investment taking place. I'm delighted to be joined on the line now by Paul Higgins, the Vice President of Commercial at Virgin Media in Ireland. Uh, Paul, welcome back to the show. As I mentioned there, this is good news. Can you just talk us through what exactly the full extent of the announcement is? Yeah, no worries, Jess. Uh, good to talk to you again. Um, yeah, really exciting kind of week for us uh, here at Virgin Media. So uh, we've announced a 200 million uh, fibre upgrade plan to our entire network. So what that actually means is we'll be upgrading fibre to almost a million homes and businesses uh, across the network. And that actually enables speeds of up to 10 gigs for Virgin Media broadband customers. So you know, great news for the industry, great news uh, uh, for the company, and more importantly, though, great news for our customers. So for your customers listening to this now, they may be wondering what difference is it going to make for them? Um, obviously, over the last 18 months or so, we've been so reliant on having consistent connection and so on. But why has Verge Media decided to do this? And as a customer in whatever part of the country, what impact will it actually have on me day to day? Yeah, sure. Great question. Um, well, look, actually, Jesse, it's probably, you know, about this time last year, we were talking to each other about um, when we launched our one gig service nationwide, um, you know, so Ireland's largest gigabit network now. Um, so customers have been enjoying kind of high speeds and, and choice w- with us for, for an awful long time. You know, I, I think it's fair to say, you know, Virgin and its, its predecessor brands, you know, pioneered kind of high speed broadband. So we have a great heritage in it. In terms of why now and, and why the move forward, you hit the nail on the head. You know, the last 18 months or so have, have just seen, you know, stellar increase in usage. You know, I think we saw a 91% increase in data usage, you know, in a year. You know, our homes have become our offices, schools, you know, uh, gyms, classrooms. So, you know, that thirst for bandwidth, you know, that that um, that ability to just do more with your broadband is it, just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, so we think now is a great time for us to, to commit to this program. Uh, we think now is a great time for us to, um, you know, give customers that ability to have even more choice, even more speed. Uh, and over the next three years, you know, we'll be upgrading all of our network, as I said. And as we upgrade the parts of the network, we'll be going straight to our customers to, to you know, ask them, do they want to upgrade? How do they want to upgrade? You know, what speeds would they like to see? Um, so, you know, a, a really interesting and exciting three years for our customers. And is it a case that the entire network will be upgraded and consumers have the option to 
accept the higher service therefore will upgrade on plans or like how exactly does that work uh, we, we've not you know i know all the details jess mm -hmm. is first to say um you know we we'll have a lot of work to do on, on products and propositions and, and and so on but similarly to when we launched uh the gigabit network and, and one gig services you know we've seen great demand for that for, for new customers joining uh virgin media but we've also seen an incredible uptake uh of existing customers upgrading to our high speed so you know our job really is to give our customers choice is to give them flexibility and it's to give them kind of you know the speeds they need to, to do what they need to do and and we think by doing this now uh that's going to give our customers that that choice that that they want today and in the future you mentioned there about sort of ironing out all the details from a logistical point of view there's no two ways about it. This is going to be a big undertaking. You've said 200 million and a, a sort of a timeline of in and around three years. So are you confident that it will be done in the three years? And um, where are we at in turn? Are we still at the, the, the planning stage before any bit of dirt is dug up in the ground? <laughs> yes. Again, you know, uh, questions we've been we've been working on, you know, for a, for a good long time now. Um, you know, the first thing I'd say is, we're ideally placed, you know, we have our own network, you know, we own our own network and always have, you know, as I said earlier on, we, we've great heritage in broadband, we've pioneered kind of high speed broadband uh, for the last number of years. Um, so, you know, we, we've a great track record in doing this. The other part of that is, you know, we are upgrading an existing network. There's an awful lot of fiber already in our network. You know, we, we're already a fiber rich uh, network as it is. So, you know, the fact that we're not having to go and, you know, build new things in new places, you know, um, you know, we are upgrading something existing uh, stands us in good stead. You know, we are going to be creating about 500 jobs um, as part of this program, um, you know, and interestingly, we've already got 500 uh, homes connected uh, and upgraded to fibre. So, you know, I think it's fair to say that our plans are not just plans on a piece of paper, you know, they're, they're real and active. You know, and we have uh, customers connected to the fibre network today. One of the things that I am interested in is the the requirements, the the sort of the tools and the the products that are needed to carry out this upgrade. I was talking to National Broadband Ireland, the company that's um undertaking the National Broadband Plan, and they said that COVID kind of scuppered their progress quite a bit in terms of being able to go out and do the work but also getting the supplies. Is that something that you're wary of? Like, you know, we're not out of this yet as much as I would like to say that it's all over. Um, we do know that there are supply, cha supply chain issues for a whole host of products, but is that something that could put a bit of a fly in the soup? I look, Jess, you know, who knows where, where that's going to go with the whole global supply chain issue. And we have factored that into our, our thoughts, you know, around, you know the the kit um, that that needs to be you know delivered and 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 implemented and installed both on the network uh, and in customers' homes. So you know I think we've got good cover in that. You know I guess the great um, you know advantage uh, of being part of a, a you know a very large organisation such as Liberty Global is you know you do get uh, the economies of scale and you do get the the, the buying power and the pull uh, of a much much larger larger organisation. Uh, behind you, which is huge for us. Uh, 
so yes, we're aware of those things. We appreciate them. You know, we have factored them in. Uh, but as I said before, you know, the great thing is we've we've done this before. We're already a fiber-rich network. Um, you know, we are upgrading as opposed to needing you know tools and kit and and uh, an infrastructure to go to new places. Uh, so I think we're 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 well covered, and we're very confident that we'll be able to deliver this for our customers. I know you probably will tell me now that you don't know or you couldn't tell me, but once the upgrade is complete, will you then set your sights on expansion of the network using fiber? Uh, actually, Jess, you know, interestingly, you know, we've we've we have been expanding our network. You know, we we've taken our network over the last number of years to to you know a great many new places. You know. Uh, Dundalk, Drogheda, you know, we, we're into Nab and Mullingar, you know, we've really kind of Ballinar, Castlebar, you know, we've taken the network and expanded it over the last number of years. Uh, and a lot of that has been fibre. You know, we have taken fibre to, to a lot of new towns. Uh, you know, we've we've unlocked kind of high speeds for uh, areas that have, have just never had them before. You know, even this year, we'll add homes and, and businesses to our network. So, you know, we are continuing to expand. Um, you know, but obviously our focus will be on making sure that we we upgrade, uh, you know, the nearly a million homes and businesses. Uh, so I, I think it's, you know, in summary, I'd say we will continue to expand where, where we can, uh, but we'll remain committed to, to upgrading our existing customers. Obviously, Virgin is more than just a, a broadband internet provider. You've got the mobile network. You also have the TV products as well. Is this part of sort of a 360 vision for Virgin Media to ensure that customers, if they want to watch TV via a streaming service rather than the traditional way, they have the power, the capability, the bandwidth to do so without it being a clunky operation? Well, absolutely, Jess. You know, you and I have spoke before around, you know, our new TV 360 service that we launched last year. You know, our mobile business goes from strength to strength. You know, so it's first say plans are, are well and truly underway, you know, to offer seamless broadband, entertainment and mobile services, you know, all in one place. We know what our, you know, our customers tell us they want, they want new things, different things, you know, and I think our new TV360 service has definitely answered a lot of those questions. And what this upgrade does is it unlocks kind of more potential, you know, it, it unlocks more opportunities uh, for us to give customers that the products and services you know, not just the broadband and the broadband speeds, but around TV viewing, around mobile, uh, you know, and around all those kind of in-home experience, connected entertainment experiences that uh, the customers have enjoyed, you know, already and, and will enjoy more of in the future. You mentioned the, the TV offering and the new innovations that we spoke about last year. Am I right in saying, though, that there's more innovation to come in this space? You know, everybody thinks smart TVs is as good as it's going to get as we have it today. That's as good as it's going to get. But speaking to people in your industry, other um, operators and so on, it does seem like there's a lot more to come from, from the consumer side, which is great news. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I think, you know, we've We've been really pleased with the feedback we've got uh, on our new TV360 service. You know, we've been really pleased that customers are enjoying it. Customers are using, you know, more of the features than we probably thought and, and, and a lot more often. Uh, but, you know, we'll continue to kind of push forward. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, really interesting uh, innovations around kind of live TV. You know, our, our, our Virgin Media television teams, that are, you know, have some great ideas around how we, we bring that kind of entertainment uh, in a much more uh, interactive way into into customers' kind of homes. 
um, you know, things like, you know, virtual um, kind of reality activities, uh, you know, 4K, 16K kind of streaming. So, you know, all of these things, as we know, though, you know, the one co common denominator is, you know, they will all need great broadband uh, to, to power them. So, you know, I think this whole announcement, our whole connected entertainment kind of philosophy and, and giving customers more of, of what they love, you know, this really does underpin, this announcement does underpin, you know, those opportunities and that ambition. The other thing that all of those things have in common, though, as well, I suppose, is price. And pricing is something that is always at the forefront of people's minds. But I think at the moment when there is such a broad spectrum of choice so you could have every streaming service under the sun you could have your tv package you could have your broadband package and you could be spending a few hundred quid on home entertainment which is a lot of money is that something that virgin media is conscious of in terms of ensuring that with every innovation comes a price point that the average consumer can afford to get on board with oh, absolutely you know when we've launched kind of higher speeds, uh, when we've launched kind of, you know, new TV services, when we've launched kind of mobile, we've always thought about the consumer and, and, and the customer. Um, you, know, you see with our mobile kind of offers, you know, we were the first to bring in, you know, great value unlimited uh, products, you know, where, where customers can actually own their own kind of device rather than kind of pay for it uh, every, you know, months and months after they've actually kind of paid for it. So, you know, we're always thinking about those those areas um, and especially in, you know, with our broadband and TV service, you know, giving consumers and customers the choice of being able to kind of use those kind of streaming services, but have them on the set top box, have them integrated, you know, whereby, you know, the, um, you know, the voice control and the voice search finds, you know, an Amazon Prime asset and, and, and content or something on YouTube kids. You know that whole discovery piece and, and giving customers the content they want and they need in a very simple place you know all in one you know all on one um you know one service offering from ourselves you know we think that's really important and, and we'll continue to do that as we as we launch new products and services so the news this week is very exciting for virgin media customers i know people are probably picking up their phones right now to text in or email in when is it coming to me uh, you said that the logistics are all still being worked out will it be online like where will people find out the information yeah you know we've we will start at pace you know you know you you know we just do the maths you know nearly a million homes and businesses in three years so you know we're going to get around to everybody pretty quickly um, and as we get to those areas and we start to kind of uh, upgrade the network in those areas, you know, we will be reaching out directly uh, to customers. Uh, we'll be, the, you know, the customers will be the first people to know uh, when when they're part of the network's being upgraded. So, you know, watch this space. And stuff. Well, look, it is great to chat to you as always. And brilliant news for Virgin Media customers around the country this week. I would love to hear from you. Are you excited about it? What speeds do you get at the moment? What difference would this make to your life? You can email techtalk at newstalk.com. Uh, Paul Higgins, thank you so much for joining us here on Newstalk. Thanks very much, Jess. Nice to talk to you. Coming up next, the Irish company that wants to make your dinner that bit more exciting and sustainable. Tech Talk, Tech Talk. on Newstalk. With One Sonic. High definition audio noise cancelling headphones designed in Ireland. Visit onesonic.com. Welcome back to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Tech Talk at newstalk.com 
is the email address if you want to get in touch at any stage. Now, as I've said before on this show, the Pat Kenny show and pretty much every other show I've ever been on, I cannot cook. I have no real interest in it. I try it and I fail pretty much every time. But thankfully, I live with someone who loves to cook. Even still, we found a serious lack of inspiration when it comes to what to have for dinner in recent weeks and months. So much so that last week I was online searching for something to take the stress out of dinner time. And what I landed on was Drop Chef. I went to their website and I ordered three meals for two and I was blown away by everything from the meal choice, the delivery, the price, the quality of the food. It was just great. I then found out they're an Irish company, which made it even better. And I'm delighted to say that Ryan Scott, the CEO and co-founder, joins me now. Ryan, as I said there, I'm a huge fan. I have done my best to sum it up there. But can you just talk us through what exactly Dropchef offers? Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Firstly, for having me on, Jess. And uh, delighted, firstly, to hear that you've been enjoying uh, your first week with us. And I think probably your experience is going to resonate with a lot of other people out there who've been in quite a similar situation um, uh, because that is ultimately the problem we solve. Um, we help people uh, to live a more healthy and sustainable life. And the way that we do that is by delivering everything that they need to cook a fresh, healthy and delicious dinner. And uh, we give them all of these ingredients in exactly the right quantity, along with an easy to follow recipe card. So what that means for you is that when you get home from work or, uh, or open up the fridge later on this evening, even if you're working from home, that you don't open it up to find that it's empty or that there's nothing there that will all put together a great, delicious meal. Uh, or especially, if, uh, as you said, if you've lacked inspiration because you've, you've kind of, you're done with cooking now after COVID and you're kind of just fed up of eating a lot of the same food, uh, the beauty that is with Dropchef, we deliver everything you need to you. It's all pre-measured, so it eliminates your waste. And it means that you can cook uh, a fresh dinner in about 20 to 30 minutes uh, with no food waste. So it really, really helps speed up the process and just put a little bit more joy, I guess, back into, in, into your diet again. Uh, everything is nutritionally complete as well. So we've got uh, an in-house full-time dietitian who's working to develop all of our new recipes as well. So we you know, really try and work everything within uh, confined so that that way you eat a really, really good and balanced diet without really noticing it or compromising anywhere else. Yeah, it's great. So I, I went onto the website, I signed up and I should say this is completely my experience. I was just excited to talk to the team behind who made this uh, a bit easier for me. So I went on. I picked three meals for this week. Um, my favorite one, just so you know, was the pulled chicken burger. It was sensational. But as you said, the big thing that I noticed, and I said it to my boyfriend, was that we didn't have any food waste because that drives me insane. Very often we do the food shop. You would pick certain things. You think, oh, I might make that if I'm feeling, you know, like I have the energy on a Thursday evening, which you never do. And you end up yeah. chucking stuff. We used every sauce every carrot every scallion like every single thing that came with the with the uh, instructions and in the packet was used it's a brilliant idea and and the thing there is that this is uh, i guess a fundamental shift in in the model in how in how we eat uh in terms of uh we've had other businesses that have come along and shifted other industries and you've had let's say netflix comes in and turns entertainment on its head 
uh, relative to how traditional TV or even the film industry worked. The same with Airbnb, within grocery and also within, uh, within uh, the food sector, there hasn't been uh, a fundamental shift yet. And we're starting to see digital first businesses such as Amazon Fresh take steps in that direction. But you know, another way of doing that is instead of selling people you know, far, you know, uh, you know, far more than they need when, uh, you know, when they need uh, only a tablespoon of creme fraiche to give them an, like an entire pot of 250 grams uh, or milliliters of it, uh, or selling people, you know, uh, a whole packet of parsley when they only need, uh, you know, 10 to 15 grams in reality, uh, by giving them everything, it, it actually saves, uh, it cuts down on food waste. So it means it's a more sustainable solution. And then it also saves them money and means that we can give them more value. And the way we do that is in just giving them great customer support and service and also free delivery. So because of all these savings, I'm meaning that we can run a really efficient service and deliver it to people at the same time every week. It means that we can offer, uh, offer I guess, a better service and uh, you know, newer and fresher ingredients each week. So one of the cool things as well is that the menu completely changes every single week. So what you're going to see next week is going to be completely different to what was on last week. And that just wouldn't be possible within the traditional model. So it's quite, it's quite cool that we're, you know, this has kind of liberated us as well to, to move away from a lot of other, um, you know, uh, yeah, systems that have been there before so. yeah like that, that i've already picked my meals for next week and the one that i'm most excited about is the sea bass i'm dying to try that but the thing that i think people need to understand is that this isn't crazy expensive because when i clicked in initially i loved the idea loved the meals yeah. that were on offer and i thought i bet you now this is going to cost an absolute bomb but i think it broke down at like 741 per person per meal which yeah. if you think about how many takeaways people have had as you said there, how many ingredients people throw away because they don't use in full. I actually think it offers a good value for money and a really nice experience. We had great fun cooking the meals here because it was something we'd never tried before. Yeah, 100%. And like the the nice thing is that we're, there's no, I guess, hidden costs or anything else. It's pretty much what you see on the website is, is, is what you pay. Uh, and that's the way it always will be. And on top of that, then there's there's you know kind of more uh you know, tailored pricing for different plans so if you're cooking for a family let's say and you're there's you've got a small family of uh of three or four uh uh of three or four you'll be looking at more like you know 540 to five euro i guess per plate and that's including delivery so fully landed on your table and the same with um the same with uh any of our other plans as well so really it kind of just depends on how many people you're cooking for and the plan size as well and in terms of how many dishes you'd like a week but it generally will work out cheaper than actually going out and buying all the ingredients uh, and that will save you a ton of time as well yeah as i said this is the dream for me i'm so happy i found it and um, can you tell me a little bit about the behind the scenes of drop chef so when i place my order you know, yeah. do, do you have meals prepared for your current customer base and then you just expand it? What way does that work to ensure that it runs as efficiently as possible from a sustainability and wastage and cost point of view from your side? Yeah, and it's uh, it, it is it's a it's a real challenge. But quite fortunately, we've we have over six years of experience now in working on this and solving it. 
and uh, a lot of the systems you can't and you just can't build overnight. Um, in short, what happens is that uh, most of our customers get dropship every week. Uh, you can get it once and never again. So if, for example, you got it that one week, uh, just last week, and you weren't available this week, you were going away or um, or you, you had other plans, you can put your account on hold. It's no problem at all. And you can never get it again, or you can get it as frequently as you wish. Um, for all of our customers then that get it each week, what happens is they get their, they put in their orders ahead of time. And because of this, it means that we actually only order the right amount of ingredients for each customer. So before we've even ordered from our suppliers, we're, we've got very good forecasting tools and we, we've got pretty accurate estimates. But then at the last minute, we give them the fine, uh, fi a fine tuned order of exactly the amount that we need. And they will then deliver that to us. Now, this massively reduces food waste because a huge amount of food waste actually happens both at, at the home level, where you would have traditionally bought a four pack or a five pack of chicken fillets if you need, if you were eating chicken, and uh, maybe there's only two of you in the house. So you know, they're more likely to go off, uh, even though you'll think that you know, it's fine, I'll, I'll just cook them up and have them later. Um, that's where a huge amount of the food waste happens. And then on the other side, it also happens. Uh, within businesses as well that over order so kind of like i was saying the traditional model within grocery is that uh they've essentially got a warehouse there uh, and it's full of food that is slowly going off and they're hoping they can sell it before before that happens and if it do, if they don't they generally just uh put a yellow sticker on it and try plug it off or they throw it in the bin which is what happens more often than not uh whereas we eliminate that and as a result, uh, it's a far more it's a far more environmentally friendly solution. Uh, in, uh, even when you include the emissions from delivery as well. So looking at an environmental footprint or what's called an LCA, which is a life cycle uh, assessment, you can uh, you can compare, I guess, cooking a meal with Drop Chef or from a recipe kit from traditionally going out and buying it yourself. And it has it has a lower carbon footprint, and that's something that I've been studying recently as well. Which I, I'm not sure if I mentioned, but um, I'm doing a a course in sustainable business within Cambridge, with the Cambridge Institute for Sustainable Sustainability Leadership. It's a bit of a mouthful, mm -hmm. um, but uh, there uh, and the reason for that is just trying to understand what more can we be doing, and how best can we. Uh, engineer sustainability into our business model so that the end customer doesn't have to think about it. Uh, my attitude is that that's for businesses to take on and you should just be able to order the dish you want and not have to think about anything like that that happens uh, in the background or you should be able to go out and buy the clothes that you want or the uh, the food that you like or uh, you know the phone phone that you want to listen to the music on without having to think about what are the implications of that. Uh, so my attitude is that I need to, as a business leader, take on that and understand the challenges within the sector better in order to tackle those problems. Yeah, and I think that is such a good, a refreshing attitude to have, particularly this week when we've been hearing a lot about what's going on with COP26 and sustainability and the environment. So it's great to hear that this is ingrained in the DNA of your business. Um, 
These types of services are massively popular in the US. Anybody that listens to a podcast will have heard ads for meal services such as this. Is there much of a market for it here in Ireland? Are we just kind of waking up to it now or has it, am I just slow to it? No, that's a really good question. And uh, I think, uh, so Ireland uh, has been very, very slow to, uh, I guess, to e-commerce initially. And we've caught up there. And now within e-grocery, uh, which uh, we were also light years behind, we're, we've caught up a little bit, but we're, we're still quite far behind. And the market is now slowly growing. One of the nice things was that, um, I guess the sector has grown itself and people have, throughout COVID, a lot of restaurants got on board and did it temporarily just to try and uh, you know, service some of their customers and service their locality. That's been really, really nice because what it's done is it's introduced a whole host of people that wouldn't have been familiar with the concept before or wouldn't be familiar with ordering food uh, or ingredients that they haven't seen before to the idea. And from there, now they've developed, they've realized that they can trust these businesses just because it isn't, uh, it, it isn't you know, 200 meters away or you know, three miles away from their house. They know that they can still trust them to have fresh quality produce. And that's kind of been a turning point for us as well, is that we've realized it's, it's you know, easier, it's easier now for us to reach a lot of these customers because they've already come to terms with the whole idea of buying food. But uh, so in short, no, you're, you're not, you're not, you're not a laggard yet. I think there'll be, <laughs> there, there'll be a few more that are, uh, that are going to be chasing you still. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree that, you know, COVID as tough as it was for so many businesses, there were opportunities. I think a lot, we saw a lot of companies I ordered for, from quite a few of them during lockdown, you know, whether it was make your own pizza at home from your favorite restaurant or, you know, buy these dining kits. And it was a great experience and it gives people a bit more control over what they're eating, but also involves them in the process too. So I think that this is like, it is such a, it makes perfect sense from a business point of view and a consumer point of view. I think it makes complete sense. Um, are you available nationwide or is it a Dublin based thing? Yeah, no, we, we, we actually delivered to the whole island of Ireland. Uh, and I mean, we've, we've delivered everywhere, uh, and, uh, which, which uh, does have its challenges. Uh, but even like right down to, we, we've got a really popular Christmas offering that we deliver every year where we, uh, I've you know, got a really good relationship with the, the turkey farmer out in Kells and we've got his best turkeys essentially that we source and kind of ring fence every year and we've delivered those on uh, you know Christmas Eve or the day before Christmas Eve to the smallest little laneway down uh, uh, down the back of I guess like Ishibin in uh, on the Dingle Peninsula so I think you know, we're, we're, we're well able for delivery anywhere in Ireland and but again that also has its challenges with it as well in terms of making sure that we can get it isn't just about getting the food there it's also about making sure that we have got the cold chain in place and we've got everything in place to keep the food fresh and make sure it's at its peak at that time and the way that we do that on the back end i guess talking back about the the business and the logistics side of it on the other side is that we've got a real last minute goods in so we're typically um you know goods will arrive in from uh, they'll go from a farm to a distributor, probably to another distributor or wholesaler, and then to a retailer. And each along each of these steps, you can lose uh, you can lose days in between. 
Whereas we've really refined and reduced that time in order to make sure that we can turn around that produce a lot faster, meaning that as a result of that, it gets to the customer at the end fresher as well. Yeah, it sounds like you mentioned six years ago, a few minutes ago, you know, you said that you've kind of been addressing and working out a lot of these problems over a long period of time. But it does seem like you have a fine tuned machine now that enables you to do all of this. And as you said, with sustainability in mind, how long, like, tell me a little bit about the path to where we are today. What's your own background? Yeah, so um, we've been, as I said, yeah, we, we started the business a little bit, uh, uh, yeah, just about six years ago now. Um, so we started it actually uh, straight out of university, uh, along with my, I started with, along with my co-founders, Roman uh, and Sam. And uh, our backgrounds was mostly in sport, I guess, before that. Um, I had been uh, racing boats, actually, um, kind of uh, somewhat professionally at times as well. And at that stage was we were all really, really focused on our nutrition and wanted and like realized the problem was that it was just a little bit tricky to manage that while also having something that tasted good as well in the evenings and just didn't have time to put everything together or also the knowledge or creativity each evening. So that was, I guess it was kind of out of there that Dropchef was born. Um, then over the last, uh, I guess in the time in between, we've been slowly growing up our base and slowly growing up, I guess the offering as well. Um, it's continuously gotten better and improved and our team has grown out as well. And it's only though been in the last you know, 12 to 18 months that we've we've been able to hire more staff, such as, you know, our full-time in-house dietitian, or I guess we've got someone else who's responsible for corporate wellness as well, who works alongside businesses out there to make sure that their employees are looked after. So that's been, I guess, a new addition that we've also hired in has been someone who's out there, who's got the partnerships in place uh, and has got different, I guess, different offerings that are tailor-made to suit a business's need as well. Yeah, the, like I'm so impressed because I genuinely thought when I emailed you guys and I got your email and we started this call, I genuinely thought it was going to be someone from America who had just set up an Irish franchise <laughs> or something like that. I, I'm so yeah. impressed and I'm blown away by the success and the professionalism of the entire operation um, in that time because any entrepreneur will know six years isn't really that long <laughs> you can have people who have ideas and they sit on them and they tweak them for 15 years and they never get them to fruition so is your ambition now just to continue to roll it out and to ramp up customers and to build up that customer loyalty so you know you will have someone ordering at least three meals a week from you that kind of thing yeah, I, I guess there's, there's, a, there's a few pieces in that. Um, you know, as you said, like uh, we've been going since, since uh, for, for six years and the product has changed drastically since then. It's gotten, so if someone got it in our first week or, or, or in, in the first year and then ordered Dropship and hadn't ordered since then and ordered Dropship again today, they would see a, like a completely different product and service and have a, have a different experience. And so I think, uh, you know, firstly, it's to continue to improve. We've got a great team and a great vision and idea around what we want to be uh, bringing to our customers. And then I think from there as well, I think we need to look at what other problems can we solve and how else can we can we help our community? Um, so I think, you know, kind of the next phase will probably be looking at 
you know, look at that and what are some of the other products is we've got a few other things that are in development at the moment that we'll be beta testing with uh, some of our customers over the next month. Uh, and then hopefully we'll have some, some of that ready for launch in the new year as well. Well, look, it is an absolute pleasure to talk to you. As I said, this is a company that I found the other day, just like I do with any tech products that I love. I love sharing it. And the fact that it is a proper Irish success story, I think just adds the cherry on the top. Um, so Ryan Scott of Drop Chef, thank you so much. Uh, firstly, for my dinners this week, as I said, I paid in full. This is not anything other than me sharing a company that I really, really like. Uh, and I wish you every success for the future. Oh, thank you so much, Jess, for having me. And for anyone else that is looking to try DropChef at any point in time, you can just find us dropchef.com and you can check out our menu or any other details from there or get in touch with our fantastic customer support team if you've got any queries. So thanks again for having me. Thanks again for that, Ryan. Coming up next here on News Talk, Smart Tech 247 on their zero day conference, which is coming back in person next year. Tech Talk, Tech Talk. on News Talk with One Sonic. High definition audio noise cancelling headphones designed in Ireland. Visit onesonic.com. Welcome back to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. As you may be aware, in person events are back. Web Summit took place in Lisbon this week, and in March of next year, Zero Day Con will return to Dublin. It's produced by Smart Tech 247, the cybersecurity experts, and it's all about informing and engaging attendees on topics like cybersecurity, data protection, the whole spectrum. Raluca Sanuku is the COO of Smart Tech 247 and she joins me now. Uh, Raluca, you must be delighted that the event is coming back. What exactly can we expect? Yes, so Zero DayCon is our annual cybersecurity conference and um, this is going to be the seventh edition of this event. And we're very excited to bring it back um, as an in-person event next year on March uh, 10th. And um, Zero DayCon is a cybersecurity conference that aims to gather um, some of the most uh, senior leaders in Ireland and the UK. Um, but not only that, we're also expecting visitors from the US. And it's an opportunity for them to learn a little bit more about the latest cybersecurity trends uh, trends that have um, that are happening right now and also to address pressing security challenges that we're seeing today. Um, some of the topics that we're addressing this year would be around, of course, ransomware. Um, it's a pressing topic worldwide and um, we're going to discuss um, in a, in a very transparent way, what ransomware means, and you know, we've been dealing with a lot of ransomware attacks ourselves in trying to help some some key customers defend against it. But not only that, we've been trying to help organizations in Ireland um, respond. Um, I think the HSC is, is a good example um, from this year. We're also going to be discussing the importance of uh, securing our critical infrastructure um, and what that means. And we will be um, inviting the chief information officer of NCIS in the US, um, who's going to give a little bit more insight into how organizations from, you know, from a public and private perspective can collaborate. Um, so, We'll also be discussing data protection and um, 
I think it's going to be a really, really good addition. Very interesting. Uh, can't wait to bring it back in person. We had to skip uh, a couple of years um, because of COVID-19. And um, so, you know, this is going to be the, the first one in, in two years. Yeah, I think it's such an important event. And to have an organization such as Smart Tech 247 uh, leading it, I think really does add credibility. Listeners will know, of course, Ronan Murphy, who we've had on this show many times, uh, talking through a lot of the elements that you've just mentioned there. Who exactly is this event aimed at? Is it at people who own or work in organizations? Is it for people who are interested in cybersecurity? Or is there a bit of a mixture of both? That's a great question. Um, and th the answer is very simple. It's for everyone, right? I mean, if you look at the attendees we've had in the past, um, surely, yes, 95% of these would be uh, chief information officers, chief information security officers, or business leaders who wanted to gain uh, deeper insight into, you know, how it can affect their own operations and their own businesses, and also who wanted to network and get to know, you know, other people. Because I think this is important to understand that um, collaboration is so key when it comes to cybersecurity and exchanging information and, and threat intelligence and simply trying to understand that, you know, my problems could be similar to someone else's problems when it comes to this. But it's also open to people who want to learn a little bit more about cybersecurity or people who want to, to get into this industry. But I say 90% 90, 90 of the attendees would be um, senior cybersecurity executives. Okay. Um, you gave us sort of a flavor of some of the topics that will be discussed. Will it be a case of listening to these speakers and trying to take notes or will you leave with real takeaways that you can then implement in your own company or scenario? Yeah, um, if you look at past editions, and um, like I said, we've, we've held seven zero day cons so far in Dublin, New York and Washington, D.C. And just by taking a step back to, to kind of understand what the attendees got out of it, because we do send out a, a survey um, at the end of it um, to make sure that people get what they, they were looking for. And a lot of the people who attended uh, found it very informative. And the reason for that is um, number one, there's, a, there's speeches um, on the main stage and what we do differently from other organizations or from other uh, conferences is we we control the content a little bit in so far as the speeches that are delivered are not sales pitches, right? So we want to make sure that the speakers who get, who get on the stage to give um, insights um, into cybersecurity, give actual pra practical insights and talk about issues that they've had in the past, how they've sold them, what's coming next and so forth. So I think that brings a lot of value to the attendees um, because the worst thing that you can have at a conference is listening to someone pitch a product or a business. So th there's gonna be none of that at Zero Day Con. Then you've got panel discussions, which are very informative. You've got, um, you've got a topic that 
you know a moderator is bringing to the stage and then you've got experts in in a particular area talking about that particular topic the problem again the problems that they've had um solutions what they're seeing in their own organ organizations and then you've got the networking piece um where you can get a lot of information a lot of insights from you've got the stands that you can visit where there's interactive things like for example in one of the years ibm brought uh, arcade games that related to cybersecurity. you could understand just by playing how you could deal with a malware situation, how you can respond. Uh, you got uh, Watson for cybersecurity, you are interacting with them as well. So it's it's very interactive, it's very informative. There's no sales pitch. And I think that provides a lot of value for, for attendees. I mentioned Ronan Murphy there earlier on. We, we've spoken to him numerous times, particularly in the wake of the HSE uh, cyber attack. When something like that happens, something like the HSE cyber attack happens, absolutely people are more intrigued by cybersecurity. Do you think now we are going to see a greater shift in terms of people investing in their cybersecurity, in terms of the products and software they use, but also their own information and the information that the employees have access to as well? Definitely. And um, I do have to say that um, ever since the attack, which of course was a, an unfortunate situation for Ireland, um, I've seen a lot of businesses waking up, um, especially uh, here in Ireland, and um, trying to understand that this is serious and that they need to invest. So it from that perspective, it has had a, a positive impact on waking up, waking people up, waking the nation up. And I've also been part of conversations with government agencies who are now taking it more seriously and who who are um, releasing a bit more budget when it comes to cybersecurity. Is it perfect? No, um, I wish I could see more. I wish I could see more organizations taking it a bit more seriously. I think it's been it's been a while since that happened and certainly in the aftermath of that you know um a month two months after people were running around uh investing in cybersecurity and taking it more seriously and now it's dialed down a little bit as well um however you know it's impossible to look at the news every week and not see another cyber attack taking place and another devastation in another country so i do think that people and businesses are taking it more seriously i think we still have a long way to go um and i think it's events like these that we can readdress the questions and 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 the challenges that we're facing are you optimistic that uh, the the narrative will change? Like you said, there it has died down a bit in in the as the months go by after the HSE cyber attack. But are you optimistic that it will improve? And as you said, events like Zero Day Con are opportunities for people to come together and network and share their experiences, and hopefully go back and understand the importance of this because what I always say is cybersecurity is not something you can invest in after the fact. You kind of need to be on top of it before something happens. So that way then you're in a better place to deal with it if and when it eventually happens. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, I'm an optimist by nature. So I, I do like to believe that things will improve. And um, like I said, I have seen a positive impact. Um, I do think that um, conferences like Zero Day Con can help, uh, you know, readdress the topic a little bit. And um, th the thing about cybersecurity is, and when it comes to prevention, it, it's it's a complex topic and most people um, still haven't asked themselves the right questions. What do we actually need to invest in? Um, what do we have at the moment in terms of technology that can protect us? Where are the gaps that we're facing? You know, when was the last time that we even did a, an incident response uh, testing? And it's questions like these that are really important. They need to be asked and it, it's questions like these that would be addressed at an event like that. So I do see it uh, getting a little bit better in terms of I see a lot of even our prospects and, and some of our clients are starting to ask more questions. And what this means is that they're adopting a risk based mindset when it comes to cybersecurity. And the word risk is really important here because it's something that's been overlooked for, for many, many years. And it's, it's certainly something that is getting a lot of attention. And it brings back the question of what is our risk as an organization? How do we address it? And just simply by asking that question, you've done the first step. And, and I think that's what a lot of organizations are now doing. Yeah, that's such a good point. And um, the event is called Zero Day Con. Tickets are on sale now. There is an early bird offer at the moment. You can find tickets and full information on zerodaycon.com. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here on News Talk. Thank you very much for the for inviting me. And that is all we have time for this week. If you missed any of the show, you can listen back in full on the Newstalk app powered by GoLoud. If you do have any questions or comments, you can email techtalk at newstalk.com. I will be back with Shane and Kira on Newstalk Breakfast on Monday morning, but John Friday's up next here. I will chat to you next week.